I, I know there's a lot of people that are farmers and farm owners that are skeptical about all of this. And like, what the hell is this thing all about? Are they coming snooping on me? Am I inviting the EPA onto my farm? We're going to get to that because trust me, I I'm, I'm kind of there. I'm not quite the conspiracy guy. I don't have aluminum foil on my, on, on my hat. That's to, that's will... to be not determined. Okay. Maybe I am. But the point is I understand the skepticism. I understand the critical questions and I understand the, frankly, um, it's, it's, it's a lot of vagueness out here. So we're going to get to all of that. Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately. Extreme Ag, we've already made the mistakes, so you don't have to. Managing your farm's water resources is a critical component to a successful and sustainable farming operation. Advanced Drainage Systems helps farmers just like you increase their yields up to 30% with their technologically advanced water management products. Visit ADSPipe.com to see how they can keep your business flowing. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Well, greetings and welcome to another fantastic and educational, informative, insightful episode of Cutting the Curve. I'm Damian Mason, and I have Mariah Murphy. She is the Director of Retailer and Farmer Services for True Terra. We're going to be talking about carbon, talking about how you can get paid for carbon, talking about the environmental benefit, and I'm talking about compensation that you can bring to your farm through what is basically a completely new frontier. And also, we're going to answer a lot of the questions you probably have, because you know what? I've talked to Mariah a couple of different times. The last I saw her was up at uh, Baltic, South Dakota at the uh, IPHD uh, field day. And I always ask her, like, explain this. You know what? I'm a farm owner and I'm not getting paid for carbon. I'm not getting paid for nitrogen capture. I, explain this to me. So she's going to explain it all to us. Mariah, thanks for being here. Yeah. You know, we're going to talk about some carbon. We're going to talk about some other ecosystem services that Trutera is bringing forward. Um, I'm really excited that we have some new things that we're going to be launching. Uh, we'll be launching those on January. 17th. Um, so some of these things go live um, just really quickly and we'll be able to bring forward some new opportunities for both those farmers that are already participating in carbon markets, but then those farmers that are interested in carbon markets. And so, okay, so th that's exactly what I want to first off use the term and I forgot it since I saw you in, yeah. uh, in July up in Baltic ecosystem services. I think you even had another term for it. I thought it was environmental compensation or something like that, but uh, let's call it ecosystem yeah. services. Yeah, we call, I, I mean, I tend to use ecosystem services because I feel like carbon credits um, really put everyone in one box, right? So you're only talking about carbon capture um, or carbon storage, whereas ecosystem services will also allow you to look at things like water quality, allows you to look at things like soil health. Um, it, it also kind of then branches into the reductions credits. So as you talk about nitrogen reductions or stabilizer additions of stabilizers, all of those feed into the ecosystem services along with carbon credits. And so I think it's important to just frame that up. Yeah. Okay. So let's start at the beginning because I think there is this thing that is still fairly undefined. It's not quite wild west, but it's certainly not as defined as say the CME. You know, like if I have a bushel of corn, I know sure as hell how to sell it. I know how to price it for the future. I know where I can take it and deliver it like in the next hour. It's very crystal clear. It is a marketplace. None of this stuff is quite there. So we got to get to that. So let's start at the the that right there. It's not really a marketplace. How do I know what any of this stuff is worth? Explain me the whole entire ecosystem services um, 
as though you were explaining the Chicago Board of Trade to a uh, novice. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, it all starts, um, it starts from, from the ecosystem side um, with these large organizations that have created these climate commitments, right? And so you have many organizations that have, have come forward publicly, about 12 to 1300 of them actually in the United States alone, that have come forward and said, in some way, shape or form, we're going to reduce emissions, we're going to become, uh, you know, net zero, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to do all of these things. And Quite frankly, they are the ones that are bringing forward the actual funding to be able to do this, to work with these farmers. And so that's kind of the first step is you have all of these, you know, 12 to 1300 companies that have made these commitments. Then you move into how are we going to source this? How are we going to find this? Um, and so that's how Truterra comes into play. So Truterra is the sustainability division of Land O'Lakes. Um, so we are part of the Land O'Lakes umbrella, which is a hundred year old cooperative. Um, so these companies come to us and they say, hey, you know, we, we're working on becoming net, net zero, right? What can you do to help us? We want to do something in agriculture. And so we help them develop solutions. And so that means that now we're able to offer programs to farmers around ecosystem services. And so that may be, um, you know, reducing tillage, that may be moving to a no-till, planting cover crops for the first time, reducing your overall nitrogen use. And so that's what those organizations are really based upon is they want to come- not, to not the, not the organizations aren't based on that. Their commitment or their, their initiative yeah. is based on right. that because they're whatever. There's some company that says we make widgets and we know that um, to, to be appealing to our shareholders or to our customers, we need to say to our customers and shareholders that we are not just a maker of widgets. We are also right. a concerned company about the environment and we are putting our money where our mouth is. We're giving- uh, this million dollars. Now take me from that to the next thing. I give a million dollars. I'm uh, the widget manufacturer. I'm widget Inc. And I give a million dollars to you. And then you go and give it to a farmer. Tell me how the thing works between yeah, widget maker and farmer. Correct. So basically they give the money to Truterra. Truterra will then facilitate a program to work with our farmers. We also are doing the verification. We're doing um, you know, the quantifications, we're doing the modeling. And so there's a significant amount of money that goes into actually creating what I would call these ecosystem assets. You know, I, I think the key thing is that we have all of these pieces, right, that go into it. And so it's the modeling and the quantification. Um, and a lot of people think, oh, it's just as simple as putting that pass through. Like someone gives you money, you give it to the farmer, and then everyone wins, right? But the reality is, there's a lot of behind the scenes pieces that go into actually creating an environmental um an environmental asset, um, and so you have to you have you have significant costs from the modeling, the quantification, the soil sampling, um, and then the final stop is with the farmer. And so, uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, my thing here is, um, yeah. So I said how just in in very big thirty thousand foot um, mm -hmm. overview, widget widget manufacturer gives a million dollars to you and they say hey we want to tell our shareholders and our customers that we care about the environment and uh then they give you a million bucks and that's really they don't they don't buy they, they don't get anything for that necessarily other than pr and goodwill because they're not required to do it right now the government didn't say you've got to give a million dollars to uh environment to ecosystem services right yeah but they are actually getting a serialized credit. So whenever a farmer decides to sell 
their credit. So if they sell a carbon credit, that's just an easy example today. If they sell a carbon credit, that credit then is, is tied to a serial number. The geolocation is tied to that serial number. And then those organizations that are purchasing these removals or these um, insets, whichever they're purchasing, they will then actually get a serialized number of the credit that they're buying. So they are getting something. Um, it's it's more of a, you know, they're getting something from a paper trail so they can say that they've actually purchased these, but they are actually getting a serialized credit to from the from the farmer. Okay. Why do they give the money to Truterra? Do you have a sales force that's going to widget manufacturers and saying, if you care about the environment, we can help you make a pledge and, and cook you up at the farm ground? Is that part of what Truterra does for their for their piece of the million dollars? Yeah. So we have um, both upstream. So we have an upstream sales team, which means we have people that are working in the field with ag retailers and with farmers. So we have that side. But then we also have at Truterra, um, a downstream sales organization. And so that downstream sales organization is doing exactly that. They are working with these organizations to um, help bring them into the Truterra network, help them figure out what their goals are and how they can obtain them. Um, and then we kind of work both upstream and downstream. So retailer to the CPG um, through all of these pieces. The CPG, I, wait, 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 yeah. the CPG. Using uh, the consumer package, good. Yes, sorry. The consumer package, good company. So like a Walmart, a Target, a General Mills. Okay. So you named three companies right there. Are those three companies you're working with? Um, I just I just named those three companies. Give me, they give are me companies some companies that you are working with. Sure. So we work with Campbell's. Um, we uh, work with Tate & Lyle, which is a British-based company. They do a lot of corn syrup. Um, we're working with Ingredion. I mean, there's several organizations that we are working with um, that are purchasing um removals from us. Yeah, I got you. So, and you just called them purchasing removals. So let's talk about how this thing came to, came together because I found Kelly Garrett over this yeah. entire thing. And he, and he loves to tell a story. He says that I stalked him. I, at Christmas time, a year uh, and a half ago, two years ago, I guess. Yeah. yeah, two years ago, two years ago. Goodness sakes, where does the time go? It was over two years ago. More than two years ago, I'm picking up the Wall Street Journal. The business section has this bald-headed farm guy uh, and it says, farmers selling carbon. I'm like, whoa, I've been hearing about this for a number of years, but I've never actually seen it come to fruition. I've been hearing about carbon credit, carbon credit, carbon credit. So anyway, it was all about Kelly. And he was one of the first people, if not the first person that I ever knew in production agriculture to get paid for this. So tell me how it worked for him and how it works between you and him. Yeah, I can absolutely go through that. Um, but first, was he wearing a cutoff shirt or did he actually have sleeves? Well, it was winter time when the photo was taken. So I believe oh, there might have been a jacket on and he was not wearing a hat. My mother always said, when you go out in the cold, you should wear a hat because 40% of your body heat goes up the, you know, goes up through your roof if you don't wear a hat. And he was not wearing a hat. So actually, I, I should have scolded him, but I didn't know him at the time when I saw the article. <laughs> That's funny. Um, okay, so how it works for Kelly. Uh, so basically, if you are a farmer that are that is interested in selling your carbon credits. Um, you would come, first stop is through the Truterra Ag website. So truterraag.com, um, there's a 30 second survey. That survey asks you eight questions and that is going to be kind of the preliminary sorting process. So with those eight questions, uh, we will then know, yes, this is a pretty good candidate for carbon or this might be a good candidate for our new service that we're offering, which is a soil health assessment. And Whoa, so new service, soil yes. health assessment. All right, so all right, so so like uh, I'm a farm owner, uh, farmer. 
I go to the Truterra website, I fill this out, and then you decide whether or not, because it's kind of like an application. Yeah, I mean, basically, it's going to allow us to, to see your pre preliminary answers and responses of when you made a practice change, are you planting cover crops, and that will help us better understand where you fit. Okay, um, then you go from there. And I'm not, yep. and I don't have to turn over like my financials. You're not stealing my identity and my youngest born child. I'm just yep. saying, yeah, here's my, I have, I, can I put all the acres I farm or only the ones that I own? So you can actually put all the acres that you farm. Um, so you can do rented and owned. You can do one field or you can do 50 fields. Um, that's completely up to you. So it is very flexible from that standpoint. Okay, so I'm a farmer. I go on this website and uh, mm -hmm. truterra.com and somewhere on there it says enroll or uh, apply or whatnot, right? Yep, so you go to truterraag.com. It will be a 30 second survey. You click enroll. Um, we're gonna ask you things like, did you plant a cover crop? Yes or no. When did you start planting cover crops? Uh, was it within the last four years? Um, same thing with tillage. You know, are you Have you reduced tillage or gone to a no-till? Yes or no. It's a very simple, simple survey. Um, and then you will get through the next level, right? And so, yeah. Mariah, here's the thing. Um, mm -hmm. Some of us have been around this game long enough uh, yes. that, for instance, CRP, I know that you're, yeah. you're you know, you, you're, this is something you know about, but I was around when it came out, 1986, CRP, Conservation right. Reserve Program, comes out from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And the thing is, some of us have been around long enough to realize, wait a minute, some of us were putting in waterways before the government paid for it because it was the right thing to do. You took care of your ground. Right. Some of us were. And the thing is, if you look at much of what the U.S. Department of Agriculture programs and things like CRP do, they punish you if you were doing the right thing before the program. And so I want to go there with you. In other words, I can't enroll ground and CRP unless it's been in a row crop. If I've been putting it in like continuous uh, hay field, it doesn't qualify. It's like, well, that field has a 30 degree slope. Of course it should be in continuous hay field. Oh, but it's not eligible. In other words, they punish you if you did the right thing. Does this thing you're talking about punish me? If I answer, I don't, I haven't done tillage for 10 years. I do cover crops every year. Then you say, well, we're not really get, gaining anything with you because you're already doing the right thing. Am I getting punished yeah. for the right thing? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know if punish is the right word. I like right? the word punish. I like the word, I like, <laughs> I like the word, I like to be, I like to be very over the top with my adjectives. I'd like to use the word uh, big companies extorting, uh, punishing. I know uh, you do. Okay. Uh, so, so are I like to be dramatic, Mariah. I haven't noticed. Uh, <laughs> so are you eligible if you've been doing tillage for 10 years? No, you're not, you're not eligible to sell your actual carbon credits. Okay. Are you eligible to do, um, like you heard me mention a nitrogen reduction credit or a reduction credit? Yes. If you reduce your nitrogen, you are now eligible in a program, um, you know, that wasn't available two years ago. And so what I would like to say is that the, the marketplace is evolving, um, you know, where, where a lot of farmers felt like, oh man, like I've been doing the right thing for a long time. I'm not eligible for any of this. We are coming forward with programs and services and opportunities to where you are eligible. So the point is, I may not be as eligible if I've been doing cover crops and reduced tillage for the last 10 years is what I'm hearing. Yeah, yes, yes. But I want to also be very clear that we are also working really hard to create programs and services that will allow for 
farmers that have been in this situation to become eligible for new programs. And so you may have heard that the USDA came out with the Climate Smart Commodity winners. Um, Truterra was selected as one of those winners for up to $90 million. Um, and so one of the focuses of the grant that we will be you, that we will be focusing on is those long-term adopters. And so we're going to be bringing forward a program for those long-term adopters to actually get compensated in a one-time payment um, for for uh, for up to five years. And so that is going to be something that we feel is going to really help kind of change the shape of the market. It's going to help create some more consistency within the market, but it's also going to allow these farmers to get that experience in a carbon credit program, but then also help them fit into other things like we just mentioned with the stabilizer usage or the nitrogen reduction or something along those lines. Now, we, before I get into those things, because that's in, and the last time we talked was all about C, uh, carbon. And so yeah. I want to get, I want get, I'll talk about in nitrogen after we get through this one. Um, mm -hmm. Are you controlling? I'm, I'm trying to play the devil's advocate. I'm a skeptical farmer. I'm sitting there at the coffee shop with a couple of my other farmer buddies. Are you going to control my farming practices? No, I mean, we're not we're not controlling your farmer, your farming practices. Um, the idea is that we you know, I mentioned the soil health assessment earlier. Um, so the soil health assessment is going to be the first of its kind. It's going to really measure how healthy is your soil. It's going to be based off of six key attributes that we have identified along with the Soil Health Institute. Um, those six key attributes are going to help measure is your soil health a low, medium or high? And if you're sitting in that low position, we're going to help you create a plan that will hopefully get you into a medium or high, uh, you know, um, rating. Does it, do you send that, out? Do you send out as a true Terra agronomist come out and do this, or how does the soil health assessment work, Mariah? Yeah. So um, again, you know, we have a lot of new things coming, right? And so one of those pieces is going to be around transition advisors. And so these transition advisors will be working with farmers um, either through your ag retailer or um, direct to farmer. And so we will be able to provide you that insight and um, sort of that planning process directly either from Truterra or through a Truterra aligned retailer. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you are you, Land of Lakes works with cooperatives, et cetera, around the yes. country. So you might send out one of your people. Um, are you taking my data? This is obviously another big concern that I know that farmers have. Is this just uh, a chance for you to get your foot in the door so you can then um, uh, steal my data or my information? I and I'm I'm just telling you these are the kind of things that you hear out there in the marketplace. Yeah. I want you to shed some light on it. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's a that's a great question. Um, data privacy is very important to us as Land Lakes as a whole. We know that the farmer owns the data. Um, are we taking the data and selling the data? No, we're not. Um, you know, are we creating those aggregated, you know, pieces of information from a group of farmers and working with our downstream organizations? Sure, we are doing that, but it's not individualized farmer data that is actually going to these organizations. Um, now, once you start selling the actual carbon credits, that individualized data does go into that serial number, right? But you're not seeing the actual data. Um, you're just getting that geolocation of the field and the serial number that goes along with it. The data stays inside of the Truterra system. And so, um, we will never provide data any lower than a county level aggregation. And so that data is always at a, at a minimum of a county level. How long? Um, okay. 
and by the way, I'm again, I'm asking this because I know our listener and I know the extreme ag listener. In my opinion, this is another revenue source, right? This is another way to make money. You've got, you can sell, you got an acre, you can grow a crop on that acre. And, yeah. then, and then is there another thing you can make off of that acre? And I think that environmental, or, sorry, ecosystem services is another way. It's a revenue source. <clears throat> but first off, how long am I, let's say I go to your website, I fill this out, then one of your retailers or an agronomist from one of the Trutera, Lando Lakes family of retailers, somebody comes out and yeah. then uh, they say, yes, you're eligible. We can get you these payments. Um, how long am I committed? Okay, so it, it depends on what what you're signing up for, right? Um, so our carbon contract is actually a one-year contract um, with a five-year reporting tail, meaning you're going to sell your carbon credits for one year, but then you are committed to uh, reporting data on that same field for five years. Um, so, it, so that's kind of our carbon contract. It auto renews every year. So if you want to keep selling your carbon, you're absolutely able to do so. You just keep reporting your data. Um, so it's a one-year contract. And the data um, I'm reporting to you is what? I'm reporting to you that I used cover crops and that I didn't, and I reduced tillage, or am I reporting to you, here's how many gallons of diesel I used, here's how many uh, ounces of herbicide I put on. What data is that yeah. I'm giving you? So it's a, it's about 36 to 38 data points. It's going to be um, basic, basic information that you have. So planting date, harvest date, crop, obviously, it's going to be your fertilizer, um, it's, you know, it's going to be the yield. It's, it's not going to be any fuel usage or anything like that. Um, it's going to be agronomic. Crop inputs. If I say I went right. out and I, you know what, I went out there and I sprayed the hell out of this thing with herbicide. Does that hurt me? No, um, you, you are going to be able, you, you will say, you know, you're not tracking the herbicide passes. Um, we're only tracking the fertilizer usage, um, and things of that nature. It is not going to be around, um, you know, your fuel and, and your herbicide use and things like that. So I might be committed for a year or I might be, and I, I, in other words, you're not tying me up for the next decade. No, no, we are not tying you up for the next decade. That's the other thing that has really evolved, right, is the contract lengths and the contract times. Um, if you remember when we talked, I don't know, two years ago, right, the contracts were a, were a bit more burdensome. They were quite lengthy. Um, but I think as the, as the continuation and the evolution of ecosystem services continues to evolve, so does the contract. I am so glad that you said that because the last time we talked about this was way back when we first, when I first started with Extreme Ag, it seemed to me that it was a long-term thing and it was almost like prohibitive. And you're telling me that we've evolved on that now. Yeah. I mean, we're definitely, we have evolved. Things have gotten, um, you know, they, they have changed, they've evolved. And, and so the contract has evolved right along with that. And I think that you know, that's probably one of the, the best things that we've done over the last couple of years is that we've really taken a good hard look at, at here's the actual contract links. Here's what we, here's what we know farmers are comfortable with and, and what they will sign up for. How much money are we talking about? Uh, and I'll give you an example. I was at a farmer ag conference several years ago up in Alberta, uh, mm -hmm. the province of Alberta, and also the Canadian uh, government was a head of the United States on this. And they started requiring certain practices because of the carbon thing. And they packaged it as, we're going to make you do this or not allow you to do that, but we'll give you... Um, you know, $6 an acre or something. And I remember thinking, 
I'm like, that ain't very much money. It's, I mean, why would I want to jack around in this in this era of cash rents went up, you know, 12 to 20 percent last year. You know, commodity prices are good. Is it enough money for me to fool with? Yeah, I mean, so so I would say yes. We we've had many farmers that have been very successful, like Kelly himself, um, selling their carbon and being part of a carbon program. Uh, we are paying up to thirty dollars a ton, um, and so that is also something that continues to evolve as up to th up to thirty dollars a ton. And yep. then, I know if I go buy a ton of scrap metal, what mm -hmm. that feels like. I know if I buy, uh, you know, a ton of, uh, you know, stone at the quarry. I know what that feels like. How do I know what a ton of carbon feels like? Yeah. So how you're gonna how you're gonna know what that feels like, right? Is from the quantification and the modeling. And so you're gonna take all those data points that we talked about earlier, and we're going to then take the soil samples. We're gonna combine both of those, send them to our partners at CSU, Colorado State University. <clears throat> They're gonna run them through modeling. Um, the modeling is extremely cumbersome. Um, it actually takes about 20 to 30 minutes per field to model out Whoa. the carbon storage. Yeah, it's extremely intense. Um, and then they're going to come back to us and they're going to say, hey, you sequestered or you um, stored 0.4 tons, right? Um, and so you're not actually going to feel it. You're not actually going to see it. Um, but it is going to be a quantification that comes back as a result of modeling. Okay. And then you saying, like, for instance, you just used a number of 0.4 tons. Is that on acre? Yeah, 0.4 tons per acre. I use that because that's the national average. That, that's exactly why I asked you to explain yes. that. So 0.4 tons per acre is the national average. So that means 0.4 times 30 bucks. I'm talking about getting $12. 12 bucks, yeah. 12 bucks an acre. Um, is that enough? Um, I mean, I think it. I, I, to me... I feel like it is, yes. Um, you know, I think that that is up to every farmer and every farmer's choice and decision. Um, <clears throat> the thing that I would say is that if you are interested in coming into a carbon program, and am I getting that? Am I getting that every year? Yeah. So uh, that's the thing. If it's a one, if it's a one-time payment, I go through all this rigmarole and I do all this stuff, and then you give mm -hmm. me twelve bucks. I'm like, holy hell! I'm not sure it's worth all that, but it's twelve bucks yeah. annually. Yeah, so, so that's where you have to be really careful, right? So at Truterra, we are continuing to purchase these credits year over year, right? Yep. Some organizations may not choose to buy those credits year over year. And so it may be just a one-time payment. Um, and so Truterra has really tried to make this as farmer-focused as possible. Um, and so what we will do is we actually will continue to purchase those credits. So they're kind of grandfathered in. The key thing that you have to keep in mind as you're in the carbon programs is, and we've talked about this before, I know, is that once you make that change, so you have that additionality, so moving to the cover crops or the no-till, um, then to, to exit a program, you have to go get into another program. The only way to get into a lot of these programs is to have another form of additionality, right? And additionality? So, Are you gonna use additionality yeah. on the Cutting the no, Curve podcast? I am. I am. They're gonna, they're, they'll understand. Additionality <laughs> means you're going to add something. I know. So adding the practice. Hey, answer me this. Because uh, yeah. one of the concerns I'd heard in the past was, okay, they make you sign up for this thing and then you're committed. And then if you lose that farm ground, you got to pay it back. Well, you just told me that the terms now are not over 5, 10, 12 years. It's over one year. So if if someone, if the neighbor door knocks and out rents me for this uh 160 acre chunk of ground down the road i don't have to pay you back for something for money you gave me last year right correct so we again we at Truterra, we've tried to make it very farmer focused we've tried to make it very flexible for the farmer we understand that these things happen um 
Would we like to continue the contract with the next tenant? Absolutely. And, and we would ask that they provide sort of that information for us to be able to do so. Um, but it's not a situation where we're going to ask the farmer back for money. Um, there, you know, the only time we would ever ask for money back is if we found out a farmer was being just downright fraudulent, right? Yeah, like they said, they said we 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 do cover crops and we no till, and all of a sudden you go out there and they got the mold board plow. There's never been a cover right. crop, and they're just uh, <laughs> they're, all of a sudden they're lying to you. So you do have recourse on that. Yeah, like so, if we found out that it was actually fraudulent, um, we do have recourse on that piece, um, and that would be you know really the the time that we would use it. It's it's nothing really beyond something like that. You know, something we should talk about though, for all of the farmers online, I don't know how much time we have, um, but you know, tenant or uh, landlords, right? And so there's a new kind of a new group of people like you that are saying, hey, Mr. Farmer, I want you to do these practices so that I can, I can get a cut of the carbon uh, That's know, exactly where I was going with this. Yes, I do not operate my acres, but I own acres and I am pretty involved. And I also, I want my farmer to make money. Uh, we we go through every year business discussions that make him, you know, to help him make money, but also we got to do right by my ground. I, I do not want to be that uh, story about the absentee landlord that's just letting his uh, asset get, uh, you know, eroded away and degraded. So how do I get involved? Yeah, so today I would say that the the contracts are with the farmer. Um, so the farmer is the one that is actually contracting. What we are starting to see are several landlords that are coming to their farmers and saying, hey, have you seen this carbon program? Are you interested in doing XYZ carbon program? We're also seeing it as far as going as being in part of their contracts, right? And so now you, Damien, would tell your, your renter um, that they are required to participate in this program. They are required to do a no-till or plant cover crops um, as part of it. And um, you know, you may ask for a portion of that, um, a portion of the carbon payment, um, because ultimately, if a farmer is putting rented land into a carbon program, they should have the actual okay from the uh, from the landowner. Yeah. And also, if it's them doing the practices, I have no problem with them making the money. It's just a matter of where, where do we split, you know, or or yeah. it, let's face it, it probably gets passed on in cash rent or something. Hey, um, you talked about Kelly, and he's kind of at the forefront of all this. Does he have all of his acres enrolled, one half of his acres enrolled? Do you know? I don't actually, I don't know for sure. I know, he, I know it's not all of them. Um, okay. He doesn't have all of his acres enrolled. Okay, answer me this. If this keeps going and we get more of our people like the extreme ag listeners like, yeah, I like the idea of making $12 an acre for some practices I'm going to do or already am doing, um, let's say on average. Uh, do, is there enough widget ink money? Is there enough Campbell's soup money out there to pay for all this? Yeah, I yes, definitely. And I will tell you that. Are you, you know, sitting on like a are you sitting on like a billion dollars right now trying to deploy it that these companies have given you? Uh, not quite a billion dollars, but we are we are getting a lot of interest. Um, I would say that there's going to be more demand than there's probably going to be supply from our farmers. Um, I can I can confidently say that you that say is that there's more. You think there's not going to be any the money train the Brinks truck is is sitting there ready to pay for carbon credits. I think there's a lot of organizations that are trying to figure out how they can invest their money and scale the quickest. Um, right. And so, obviously. At Tratera, we feel like we are in a prime position to be able to do that, backed by our 100-year-old cooperative of Land O'Lakes. 
when I was eight years old, the first job they yeah. gave me on the farm was feeding the baby, the, the bottle calves. And so I would take a 50 pound bag of Lando Lakes milk replacer and then yeah. uh, scoop it Marina. up and, and, and mix it up and put it in there. Yes. So, I mean, it's not yours. Well, no, Purina is part of Land Lakes, yeah. Of course. Anyway, so from 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 milk replacer to the bottle calves to carbon credits. One thing before we get out of here, the nitrogen thing. I said we took we're going to talk about C, which is really the more established thing because the corporate the widget buzzword. makers yeah, widget yeah. makers seem to think carbon reduction, you know, carbon footprint. Those are terms that have been hearing for at least a decade. What's the end thing? Um, started hearing about nitrogen with Canada. Started hearing about nitrogen mm -hmm. and nitrates with the Netherlands. When I hear nitrogen and nitrates, I think, good God, and the Netherlands are going to come and take my farm. Don't tell me we're going there. What's the deal? No, uh, no. but what we are noticing, Damien, is that the greenhouse gas accounting protocol, um, they are kind of evolving alongside the carbon credit market as well. And what I mean by that is they are actually, uh, they're now coming forward and they're saying, hey, you know, for some organizations, it may make sense to actually invest in reductions, okay? And so that would be like a one-time reduction of greenhouse gas emissions. And so they are saying, you know, for, for those of you that don't want to keep this on your books long-term, it may make sense to actually invest in, in this space also. And so if you reduce your nitrogen, you're going to be reducing the nitrous oxide, which is actually two to 300 times more potent than, um, than the greenhouse gas that you're getting from carbon, right? Um, and so, <clears throat> so with that, uh, how do I, how, but here's the thing, I, I understand no-till, I understand reduce till, I understand cover crops. How do I, how do I reduce nitrogen or nitrous oxide emissions or nitrates um, other than um, use less nitrogen? or use a nitrogen stabilizer. We've been using nitrogen stabilizers since like the 1970s, or, so well, that shouldn't be a big deal. Some some of you have, but not everyone. The, the actual nitrogen stabilizer usage would probably surprise you if, you if if we knew the actual percentage of nitrogen stabilizers that were being used, it's actually, it's pretty low, to be honest. And in some pockets of the world, it's, it's extremely low. It's extremely low, um, you know, and so, just even incorporating a nitrogen stabilizer will naturally reduce some of that nitrous oxide. Um, but you're exactly right. It's it's honestly as simple as cutting your nitrogen. Um, you know, we are saying by at a minimum five percent. Uh, we would like to see ten percent. Um, the good thing about a nitrogen reduction is that it is a one-year contract, so it's a one and done. Um, there is no reporting tail. So like with carbon, you have to continue to report your data, even if you decide not to renew. With the nitrogen reduction credits, um, you actually are, it's just a one a one-time contract and then you're done, right? Um, and so that is that is nice. It's also more flexible from that perspective. And the best thing is that it it allows those farmers that maybe have been long-term no-tillers, long-term cover croppers, they can actually participate because if they reduce their nitrogen. That's great. They're in. They're and, then, what, and, and what's my payment? You know, you used a good average and I, we're not holding it by accountable. You just said on average, four tenths of a, of, a, of a ton of carbon per acre is the national average at 30 bucks. That's $12 an acre. Do I have a national mm -hmm. average on nitrogen? Uh, I don't have a good hard number for you yet. Um, we are just going through our first pilot. So we started our pilot in um, basically, we started in August. Um, so basically fall of 22. Um, come March, I will have some better numbers on what we're actually anticipating that we will see. Early indications though do say that if you add a stabilizer to your manure, 
um, then you are likely to get paid much more than just doing a, um, a nitrogen reduction. Okay. I like it and I'm learning. Now let's talk about, we talked about how a farmer can make money. And again, if you're an extreme ag listener, you're forward thinking, you want to make money, you want to be doing right. For, and let's go there. What What are the agronomic benefits? We talked about some making some money. Can you give me, can you give me the pitch on why I should do this if I'm a farm owner besides the average of 12 bucks an acre or maybe some acres on now the new nitrogen program? Is there another, yeah. is there another incentive? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it all goes back to soil health, right? I mean, and I think that we've talked a lot about the the financial benefit, but the reality is beyond the financial benefit of all of this, and I think Kelly and, and those at Extreme Ag are a great test case for this, and they talk about it a lot, is building your soil profile and building, um, you know, that good quality aggregate stability that's going to help with water infiltration and the water holding capacity and like all of those things that are going to in turn help create um, you know, the, it's going to minimize your risk and maximize your profits all through your soil health, but then you're also going to be eligible for these other ecosystem opportunities. And so for me, I would say that, you know, it, it's really about the building blocks of soil and how you can, how you can take these, you know, these pieces that are in our new soil health assessment and look at them and say, okay, my aggregate stability is really poor. I need to, I need to do, you know, something with a, a deeper roots or something yep. like that of a cover crop and, and really start beginning to build some of that from that, from that standpoint. You can be honest because you are honest. Uh, is there a drawback? Is there, I mean, other than I, I've told you the, the, I've heard the coffee shop criticism and I do yes. have farmer buddies all over this, you know, North America. Um, and I think we all kind of see where this is, you know, a new thing. And there's a lot of, there's some skepticism. There's also just a lot of questions. You've answered most of the questions. Is there any, is there any reason, is any of this founded? Was there, you know, did, did we have people that got stuck? Was there anybody, was there any, is there a drawback that I'm not thinking of? Cause it sounds like it's pretty much all pretty well. It's getting more cut and dried and it's getting more clear. Um, there's, there's less vagary than there once was. Is there any drawback I'm not thinking of? No, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I've been in the sustainability space. It's going on five years. Um, I will tell you that every year it just continues to get more clear cut. Um, I don't really, and, and I struggle with this myself because I hear farmers often say, I don't, I don't want to put the time in for the data or I don't want to do, you know, and, and, and that to me, maybe that's the only drawback, but at the end of the day, I don't, you know, I don't see that as a drawback. Like if you can invest 10 hours to get a $50,000 check, you know, for me, I don't, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, I mean, I make that kind of money, obviously, but for I the know, little people, course. I yeah. mean, I can see where for the little people, that'd be a big payoff. I'm not sure I could fool <laughs> around. I'm not going to give you 10 hours for 50 grand because that's hardly worth my time. But for other people, it should right. be. Of course. If they want to. I'll see it again. What's that? I don't, I just don't see a drawback. I mean, yeah. I just don't see a drawback. You're an Iowa girl and, uh, and and you've been around this for a while. And so um, I've talked to you about this a couple of times. You're also a new sponsor of my Business of Agriculture podcast. So I really appreciate you coming on board there because I do think that this is the future. And we're going to talk about that on my Business of Agriculture podcast. So if, if you want to hear more about this, go and look up that over at the Business of Agriculture. In the meantime, if you want to learn more about this, it's very simple because there is no commitment. You can go to True Terra. Tell them how to get there. TruTerraAg.com, and there's going to be a survey link right at the front of the page, um, and it's going to take you 30 seconds, and you'll be good to go. 
T-R-U-T-E-R-R-A, trueterraag.com. Go and check it out. Learn more. Uh, if you want to learn more and you're a member, Kelly Garrett is your go-to on this. And also uh, a couple of the other guys, Temple and uh, Matt Miles, are getting into some of these ecosystem services. And it's not through Truterra. I'm going to, you know, full disclosure, one of them's through Nutrient, one of them's through Rabobank. Um, but this is a new thing that's happening. You're going to, you know, you're going to see more and more about it. Uh, thanks for listening to this one because now you're educated and I'm sure that Mariah would even lend herself, uh, you know, if you had a question, so you can go to, go to Kelly, go to Mariah and, uh, we appreciate you listening to this. Mariah, thanks for being here. Thank you. Till next time, I'm Damian Mason and this is Extreme Ags Cutting the Curve. That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve, but there's plenty more. Check out ExtremeAg.farm, where you can find past episodes, instructional videos, and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems, the leader in agriculture water management solutions. 